Hello and welcome to Bondcast, a podcast series where we discuss the latest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm Imogen Bakra, European rate strategist, and I'm joined today by our global market specialists, Giles Gale, Theo Chapsalis, and Jan Navruzzi. Before getting into the discussion today, I just wanted to quickly remind you to hit the subscribe button so you can listen to our latest episode as soon as they're available. Last full week of August, I'm very excited because I hope that you're all going to tell me that next week is going to be more exciting. Um, but we do have one exciting thing at the end of this week, um, which is Jackson Hole. So I'm going to go straight over to you, Jan, because it feels like that's really all that markets are waiting for this week. I should say that we're recording this on Wednesday uh, and it's probably likely to be published on Friday. So if you're an early listener, you might well be listening to it before Powell. Uh, but if you've saved it for over the weekend, then, uh, well, perhaps you can just skip over Jan's comments <laughs> or you can listen to them to see how right he was. <laughs> but over to you then, Jan. What, what are we expecting from Friday? Yeah, sorry. Uh, well, yeah, certainly it could be kind of like a last minute prep for a lot of a lot of people going into Jackson Hole, but um, unfortunately, without making these uh, great forecasts as we're, uh, you know, as depending on the release time of this, but um, I think it's it's fairly clear now. Markets expect, and so do we, that we're we're probably going to get a little bit more uh, on the on the uh, tapering points that were touched upon in the minutes, uh, kind of in the July FOMC minutes that we got. Although we don't necessarily uh, see Powell offering a lot more insight than that. Um, we could hear a little bit more, and we sure hope so to hear a little bit more on uh, on factors such as what the what they mean with about substantial progress and things along those lines. You know, like uh, have we made any more about that progress? Is there going to be any more commentary on the jobs report that was uh, that came out since the July meeting? Um, but there isn't nothing all too much to expect, given what we heard so far. We uh, we can see that the committee is not in a place for. Chairman Powell to go out there and uh, categorically say this is a decision or this is what we're leaning and kind of override a several what we call but it could be you know half of the committee thinking that it should be more dovish or hawkish so uh, he's just not on a spot now to go out there and uh, push that you know either side of the narrative but as a reminder to our uh, to our listeners of course our expectation is for them to announce uh, tapering in November to start in December. Okay, so all eyes on the, the September meeting then, I guess, after Jackson Hole. Okay, so switching it over, I guess, from uh, kind of monetary policy more to the fiscal side then, because I guess that's the other kind of story of the week this week is, is about the fiscal package in the US. Where are we at the moment on that? And, and what's your outlook for how these kind of discussions progress? It is, and uh, the, the fiscal packages in the US are always kind of like a very... Uh, I don't want to call it arcane, but like a tough issue to navigate. There's so many uh, details behind the scenes. But at the time of uh, at the time of recording this, the House had just passed sort of like this step to avoid the that basically avoids the filibuster that was last night. Um, there's still a decent amount of arguments between the more uh, kind of progressive and moderate end of the of the House. So that's not really great news. But now they will start working on a bipartisan bill, which could be up to three and a half trillion. But we do expect it to come in uh, in some form of a watered down, uh, much like a much smaller package, but eventually pass in a in a smaller version. Um, as a reminder, Senate is in uh, recess until September 10, so anything that needs to go back and forth will have to wait. But we we expect any developments on, on the uh, on the fiscal package, on, in generally in, on budget side, 
to happen more so in, in September. Well, I mean, we're already in last week of August. So, you know, I'm talking about like late September, probably, which of course brings into the, the topic of the debt ceiling uh, here, uh, because now we're officially in the, in the debt ceiling period where the government has these constraints and we're getting more and more questions about, okay, well, when is the drop debt date, which is tech, the date when the treasury would run out of cash and would have to technically default in the, on its obligations. Our base case for that, uh, just let me jump into that before we kind of go back and forth with questions, but uh, our base case for that is for uh, beginning first week of November now. Uh, previously, we had uh, late October, so mid to late October, and that is because uh, it seems like the Treasury's cash position in general is a little bit better than we expected, and by cash position, I mean uh, revenues and outlays have been more positive than what we had penciled in, and that is despite the uh, Despite the extraordinary, us bringing our extraordinary measure forecast a little bit lower, uh, given Treasury's discussion of what they think they have available. And uh, as a side note, I'll just quickly talk to our listeners about what, uh, give a reminder about extraordinary measures. Uh, basically, these are these kind of accounting methods that the Treasury can employ to temporarily open up some space under the, under the debt ceiling. Uh, for example, there are these intergovernmental uh, special issue treasuries, which count against the debt ceiling, but they mature daily and are used sort of for like the retirement plans of the within the government. What the treasury can do is they can suspend uh, suspend the issuance of these, and since they mature daily, they'll immediately open up space under the debt ceiling and uh, wait until the treasury resolves. Oh, sorry, the government resolves the debt ceiling issue. And as soon as there's, you know, unlimited or like a much larger space under the under the uh, under the debt limit, they'll just reissue those and make the make the government retirement plans uh, hold immediately. So just going forward, we do expect to see that the bulk of supply reductions are done by the Treasury. We do not, of course, expect a technical default. We do think the late September resolutions will also end up in either increasing or suspending the, the debt ceiling. Basically answered all my questions without me having to ask any. <laughs> the perfect podcast guest. <laughs> okay, thanks, Jan. I guess with that, then let's let's move over to the euro area, Giles, because um, well, I've got some supply related questions for you as well. I think that's really the theme, perhaps of of this week, given that we're well looking forward to September, I suppose. But before I get to those, I just wanted to talk to you about, well, market dynamics, really, I suppose. That's what we talk about on this podcast. <laughs> um, but we've been, you know, we've been bearish um, pretty much all of the year, I guess, with sort of uh, diff- varying conviction levels as, as we've gone through the year. But we still have that bearish view. And we're obviously getting closer now to the end of the year where we still have a, a positive bundial target. Um, and that's been... Uh, a hard view to defend I would say maybe over the over the summer when rates it feels like have just rallied relentlessly um so do you think now is the right time for uh investors to turn bearish again or are you thinking that they you know there's a couple more weeks of of kind of more of the rally or should they have turned bearish last week do you think <laughs> yeah very good question um you know listen I think that yeah, I mean it's very often about timing, isn't it? And um, I think 
that my my answer is as the boy who cried wolf on uh, on on the view certainly over the summer um yeah, so I, I know that listeners will um you know, take it with a pinch of salt i i, I do think that you know, now is in a certain sense in many ways you know a sort of local peak and uncertainty there's a whole load of things that i think will be resolving over the the coming weeks and i also think we're coming off a particularly unusual period in over the summer where you know we've had this big position squeeze that we've discussed on the podcast before um you know that was somewhat fueled by you know concerns about covid which you know, haven't resolved but i think you know uh not as bad necessarily as people perhaps had in mind at uh, you know the worst point perhaps um, you know, earlier this month um you know, supply versus you know the ecbs uh, the euro systems purchases i mean you know that that the mismatch was really really stark over the summer and i think that that should improve a little bit from here as well so i think those elements are all more or less in place then you know i guess you're just down to behaviorally you know what you know how how willing will people be to express this view which i think is quite consensus to be honest with you i mean we've had lots of discussions imagine you know because you've been part of them um we've had lots of discussions recently with with investors and you know most people i feel do tend to agree that that uh, the yield levels are are probably too low um you know particularly if you're more optimistic on the economy as uh, as as we are and but i but no, there's a big difference between views and positions and i don't really feel like most people have it on in fact i think most people are, are sort of more focused on on the risk thinking about last year the risk that we are just stuck in a very low volatility sort of rut for the coming months and actually you know again some you know, there are certain things that have to sort of go our way but you know i think that they they can um over the, you know i think they will over the over the next few weeks and you know if that's right then i think that people might actually be um you know caught trying to actually express the view that they sort of felt like they had all along let's hope so um you mentioned just then about this kind of uh I guess supply or flows mismatch between ECB buying and and the supply that we were getting, and and you thought that that might shift. Um, what I guess could you just give us a bit more detail on what you're thinking around that? When do you think that might shift? You know, when is supply going to start coming back to the market, and and how much are we really expecting supply to pick up in September versus what we've had over the past few weeks? Well, I mean, there's a whole accounting that needs to needs to be done to just double check all these uh, all, all these numbers. And um, but basically, the answer is next you know, from next week the market reopens. There's a you know, a big uptick in, in in government supply. There should be a, a similar uptick from uh, non-government supply. Uh, you know, we have EU that still has 35 billion or something to to do this year. So I know I guess you'd expect a slug of that. Um, you've got Germany that um, has a 30-year 
to just you know, to, to launch right syndication you know that could be the first and i think it's probably either the first or the third week in september but it's you know not far off uh, a couple of other ones as well um you know, green bond from from spain for example i mean you know it, it's it's going to start adding up and uh, you know i i do think that it's likely to feel a little a little bit less tight but still tight or <laughs> <laughs> well okay i mean no. Yes, but no, no. I mean, given where we are in market in, in market levels, not so tight that you know, there won't be enough people willing to, you know, to, to 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 sell to bridge the gap. Let's put it that way. And that was okay. really the problem over the last couple of months. That makes sense. I like that. All right, higher yields from here. Then I'm holding you to it. All right, then Theo, over to the UK because um, the theme of this of supply continues. Um, so, well, there's a couple of things I think interesting in the UK at the moment. But first of all, um, how about you can tell us a bit about the um, uh, minutes from the DMO meeting with investors about kind of supply over the next few months? Sure. So this week we had the meeting between the GEMS and investors. And this is particularly important because it's an opportunity for the DMO to test specific views and to assess what extent there is demand and what this demand is. So we talk about issuance during uh, the October to December period. Now, what stands out is that um, there was a discussion on a potential extension of the link curve, which is a theme that uh, we believe is uh, very, very important for the market. The opinions were mixed, both from GEMS and uh, investors. That does not necessarily mean that the extension is not going to happen right now. Um, and we will get on Tuesday, so the 31st of August, we'll have uh, the precise calendar, so we will know a bit more. Precise calendar does not necessarily mean that we will know whether we do have for sure a curve extension or not, but we'll know a lot more. And if, if the language is encouraging that, yes, a very long-dated bond may be issued, then, well, the chances are high, uh, versus, for example, a 30-year linker will be reopened, which definitely um, pours cold water um, over the idea of, you know, uh, a link extension. So this is something which is important. The other point that has been discussed quite a lot is green gilts. And this is a topic that we're particularly passionate about. So green gilts, we talk about a 10-year bond coming in September and a 20-year bond coming in October. So again, this is subject to market conditions and everything, as always. So we talk about a new 2033 line coming in September. It needs to be confirmed, but um, the signs are supportive towards that. In, in, in October, will it be a 20, will it be a 30-year bond? We don't know, but the important part is that the UK DM was dedicated to construct a green curve. And a green curve needs more than one bond. So it's more likely that none of them will get, you know, these two lines in, in the next month. So this is, this is definitely one um, important topic. And I think that next week, this will be the main driver of volatility, specifically on Tuesday morning when we will get the numbers, we will get patients cut and everybody will be looking at NetDV1. Story is that there are expectations of that higher NetDV1 to come in in the next quarter. Um, just quickly on the green bonds then, um, if, 
you're expecting a 10-year first and then um, a longer data bond perhaps in October. The DMO have committed to 15 billion in green gilts in this fiscal year, is that right? So how are you expecting, um, what, what are you expecting for the size of, of those two green bonds this year? Yeah, so um, as, as, as you've said, the DMO, they, um, they, they basically promise that it will be at least 15 billion of uh, green issuance. So we can envision a deal that is close to 10 billion for the first bond. And then um, depends whether it's a 20 or a 30 year bond, we talk about five to 7 billion. The longer the bond, obviously from a DV1 point of view, the smaller the size has to be. Um, but we do expect the first deal to be uh, particularly strong, particularly, um, you know, you want to create liquidity, you want it to be a success, you just don't want to go small. You want to go with a, with a significant uh, issue on size, and then you want to show that this deal is, is, is trading well. So also to me, this at least is, is probably, you know, a target that the DMO feels that they can easily achieve. Otherwise, you know, you don't set two targets that are too ambitious and then <laughs> disappoint, right? At least, you know, when I try, when I set targets, I set them on a reasonable level so that they can be reasonably uh, achieved uh, and have the pleasure to say that uh, target achieved. So this is what I, we do expect in terms of sizes. And um, yeah, I think also the, the point of the curve, so issuing a little bit longer than sharp the 10-year point may be very, very attractive simply because the curve is particularly steep between the 10 and the 15-year point. So you issue a little bit longer to get that nice roll down and a lot of investors will be appreciative of that. All right, that makes sense. So thinking ahead to the next few weeks, there is a um, coupon event on the 7th of September. Um, is this going to be an important driver of markets over the next couple of weeks? And if so, which part of the curve are you expecting this to matter most for? Yeah, uh, index extensions and coupon money are actually important drivers. The reason why they are important drivers is because even though they are so predictable and known, Many investors do not take them into consideration until the last minute. So what you tend to see is really uh, some support for guilt um, as we head to the ex-div day. So we do expect the last couple of days to see, um, so the ex-div date is later this week, is on the 26th. So we do expect that support to come at the five-year sector. So this is the only coupon cycle in the year that is so front-end focused. Usually when coupon money comes in, uh, it is a bit of a mixed bag or back end focus, for example, the June to July cycle. But this one is very much a front end focus cycle. So the March to September. This means, well, we think that five year guilds uh, should be well supported. We think that also 10 year guilds uh, will not be supported in September, especially if you think that we'll have, well, other than the Green Deal, we'll have a lot of other issues in the sector. So we think that there is you know, an opportunity when we look at sectors where some parts will benefit more than others from that coupon event. We talk about a significant number, 2.1 billion, but as we say, it is from short dated guilds. So, and this is what matters, the duration really, really uh, matters because ultimately we deal with uh, a DB1 impact. And this is, this is what drives the market. I guess along the same lines, then, is there anything important or, or what happens to index extensions next month? Is there anything that we need to kind of be aware of on the UK side? Yeah, I guess on the, um, well, and here comes the interesting part. Um, 
indices that do include green deals, and this is also uh, a topic that not everybody is in full agreement. Some uh, investors think that their indices will include green bonds, others are not so sure. Uh, so those indices that will include green bonds would likely have to contract because if we talk about a, ten, a bond with a 10-year or 11-year duration, those indices have got uh, aggregate duration, which is around 12 to 16 years, then that issuance pretty much leads to contraction. And overall, there will be the, the, the event of the, of, of the 7th of September is an extension. It is an extension for the one year plus because the, there is one one year bond which falls out of those indices and we have also redemption. So if we talk about the event on the 7th of September, this is going to be um, you know a curve extension across one year plus or anything, all gills stock indices. This is fairly clear. If we talk about you know what happens over the month, it is less clear because also issuance is not so much um, backdated. So um, we've published a piece and the piece really digs into those details so the, the interested reader can really go and look at the table and look at the specific scenarios and, and what happens in some cases, we do get an extension, in other cases we do get a contraction, but overall I wanted to flag at this point on green yields uh, and indices that will include them, which is important. And the other point is that, uh, you know, the 7th of September, yes, it will be an index extension event. So for, for all indices. Okay, well, yeah, that is super interesting on, on the green gilts front and um, a nice little plug for your piece there. So for any of our listeners that do have access to Agile Markets, uh, please do check that piece out if you're interested. All right, guys, I think that's pretty much all we've got time for today. Uh, but we'll catch up next week and we'll at least know what Paul said at Jackson Hole. <laughs> so I'm sure we can digest that ahead of uh, NFPs next week. Thank you all for joining me. And just a reminder to our listeners that if you liked today's episode, please hit the like button to show your appreciation. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you can listen to our latest episodes as soon as they're available. Thanks.